Hi, my name is Kara Myers and welcome to the Travel Business Lounge. Each week I chat with women who have built incredible businesses in the travel and tourism industry. You'll hear their inspirational stories of success. We went from 2,000 a month to about 70, 72,000 a month um, in that span of, of nine years. And struggle. I wish that I could tell you that I pivoted really quickly and like jumped back on my feet and I did it. And what they learned along the way. Give yourself the grace of knowing that it's not gonna happen overnight and you're gonna make a ton of mistakes. And as long as you learn from them and move forward, that's okay. So grab a coffee, hit subscribe and get ready to learn and feel inspired. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Travel Business Lounge, the place where we celebrate and learn from female entrepreneurs in the travel industry. My name is Kara, and today I am joined by Megan Lundquist and Kristen Sargent of Legit Trips. Uh, it's the first time we have two guests on the show, and I'm super excited because one, their friendship is magnetic. They are both absolutely hilarious, a really a joy to talk to. And they offer really great insight into what it's like to run a business with your friend, what it's like to just run a business with a business partner. So this is a really good episode. If you've ever thought about potentially going into business with someone or you're, you're just curious about what it entails, what are the benefits of going into business with a partner, what are maybe some of the, the challenges or things that you should look for uh, when seeking out a business partner. This is a really great episode for that. We also hear their story of how they built Legit Trips very organically. Um, it's a, an incredible journey that they've been on. They offer some amazing trips, uh, small group tours, specifically for those in their late 20s, 30s, early 40s. So definitely an episode you won't want to miss. But lastly, before we get into the episode, I do want to mention one thing that we discussed towards the very end of this episode, and that's the idea or the importance of community in this space, in the entrepreneurial travel space. I think especially amongst women, there's so much to be gained from sharing ideas, sharing information, just sharing knowledge in general. Um, and that was my biggest goal really with creating this podcast is I wanted to be able for me personally, selfishly to connect more women who are doing just incredible things in the travel space, but also to provide a platform for women to get to know each other, to learn from other female entrepreneurs and make those connections. And after talking to Kristen and Megan, uh, I really want to push that idea of community even further uh, and for that reason, I've started a Facebook group, the Travel Business Lounge Facebook group. Please come and join us. I would love to have former guests on there, have you know listeners on there, and just have it as a space where people can, you know, like I said, just exchange ideas, exchange information, feel inspired, and be able to ask questions that they otherwise might not know where to ask. So um, do check it out if you have the time very small at the moment, just Candid and I, but I'm sure it will grow in good time uh, and we can we can definitely nurture that together. But enough of that, let's get into hearing Megan and Kristen's story of building legit trips. 
Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Travel Business Lounge. Uh, today, I am joined by not one, but two female entrepreneurs in the travel industry, uh, Kristen and Megan of Legit Trips. Welcome. Thanks so much for Thanks. having us. No worries. Uh, we want to dive right into talking about your business, um, you know, leading group travel. Uh, but first, just hear a little bit about you know, your personal backgrounds, how you came to meet each other and how you, you started your business. So if you want to, I guess, take it in turns, talk a little bit about where you're from, what you do and, and how you got together. Or you want me to go first? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's a funny story. I, I traveled abroad when I was 18. I moved to Spain and studied abroad and I was raised in a, in a way to not think that that was something you do. Um, I'm 38 now, so just thinking back how long ago that was, it wasn't like a normal thing to go and leave home and backpack. And like, I was a, a trailblazer, if you will, <laughs> in my town. Um, my parents were definitely like, this is not, we don't know, no, but you're not going to do that. <laughs> um, but I went anyway, and it was like so incredibly life-changing, um, living in the city, lived with the local family and just everyday experiencing life through someone else's eyes. Um was just so incredible um, walking down the street and seeing the Alhambra and just like things you just never see in America. Um, so for me, that was like the beginning of never stop traveling life. And then as far as how Chris and I met, um, we worked together, which we forget the years always. I think it's 10 <laughs> years ago or maybe 12. Um, every time Facebook gives us an alert, we're like, oh, wow, has it been that long? <laughs> so we worked together and I actually interviewed with her um, on the phone and we were talking about, all of a sudden we started talking about how we both lived in Australia. And then I was like, I don't think we need to talk about work stuff anymore, right? Like we're going to be best <laughs> friends, right? <laughs> and immediately once I started, we she invited me on her friend's trip to Costa Rica as like a test, I think, of if, if we could travel together forever. <laughs> and I passed. And then uh, we've been traveling together ever since. Amazing. So the job that you had together, it was not a travel related job. It was just. Nope. No. Okay. Completely different. Yeah. We just both had a love for travel. So my story's really similar to, to Megan's. I studied abroad in Australia and um, I, I sort of like didn't even want to study abroad. I was like a small town girl that went to college three hours from my hometown. That was like my limit. I didn't want to go any further. And everybody else was studying abroad. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't want to be the only one that gets left behind. So that was truly my only motivation for studying abroad. And then once I committed to it, something strange happened. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to go as far away as I possibly can, which destroyed my mother's heart. Um, but, uh, you know, much like Megan, my parents are high school sweethearts. They've lived in the same town their entire lives. Like, going to the other side of the world was not something that they would have ever considered. Um, and it was a really big deal at the time. And it's so funny to, to me now to like look back on that because I think my mom has just given up on, on worrying about me and Megan because she never even knows where we are anymore. Um, <laughs> but same thing. I just like couldn't believe that the world was so big and like there was so much to see and once you get that first little taste I feel like it hooks so many people um just like it did for Megan and I and um you know we would travel together for years um finally one of our friends trips just grew 
really, really big and became a little bit of a burden. And we said, oh man, if we keep doing this, maybe we should just do it as a business because this is becoming like a lot of work. <laughs> so that's kind of the the evolution of just sort of traveling because we loved it and for fun. And then getting to the point where it was like, oh, you know, there's a lot of interest in this and it is a lot of work. You know, the smart person would probably charge for this. <laughs> no, I actually found my love of traveling in a similar way. I studied abroad in Italy for a year um, awesome. and it just completely changed my life. I think being surrounded by people from, uh, you know, who grew up in a completely different environment is just the best thing that you can do. All right. So you guys became travel friends. You kind of sounds like you were a lot of the time in charge of the travel planning for your group of friends. Uh, and then one day had a conversation of maybe we should start a business. How does that, I mean, that's a big transition from casual travel planning to launching a travel business. Uh, can you speak a bit more about that? I'm happy to. Um, it, it wasn't really like, I don't think we intended to make it a, a quote unquote, like real business that we would work on forever. Um, and Megan can choose to disagree if she wants, but um, we were we were sitting on this beach in, in Keacock or Belize with 18 of our friends had been on a trip with us that week and it was too many. Um, there was like fighting about how much things cost and who was using what. And it just was like, no, there's got to be a better way. And we were like sitting on these swings on the beach and Megan was like, we're coming back here next year and people will pay us for it. And I was like, oh, that, that sounds amazing. Good idea. And we did it. So like, it wasn't this like, let's dream up this great business to have. It was like, oh, let's just come back here again next year and have people pay us. And we had about 30 people, I think, on that first trip to the same place one year later. And that was like, oh, maybe we're on to something. Maybe we could have more than one trip per year. We just hadn't, you know, we didn't set out with this intention of, you know, running 30 trips per year or anything like that. Um, but I, the business has just really grown organically. Um, you know, more people, more interests, more trips. And, you know, the early days were kind of just like, oh, can we plan this one trip or two trips or I think our second year we had five, but it was, you know, that's a side hustle at that point. It's a passion project. So, yeah. And I was just going to say, I think it was really funny out of necessity, the job that we were doing before we had a huge network. Like I have a lot of Facebook friends that I've only seen one time, like seven years ago. Um, <laughs> so the second we announced it, everyone's like, oh, we've been wanting to go on all of your friends trips for years. <laughs> We just been wanting to be invited. And we were like, well, now you are invited. Congratulations. <laughs> you made it. So it was really cool for us to to see that like people had been watching and wanting to join for a long time as well. Cool. So for that first trip and then the first few that followed, were they all direct friends of yours or at least friends of friends? Just you know, you were just sharing on your Facebook or on social media that you were putting uh, a trip together and kind of opened it up to anyone that wanted to to join? Yeah, 100%. We were completely word of mouth. Um, we both have a huge network of friends and we invited them and we definitely had friends of friends, but we it was all people we knew in some way uh, for the first three years, I think. At least, yeah. Yeah. Nice. And what year, what, what year did that first trip, the first paid trip run? 2016. 
I keep saying 2006 and I'm like, it has not been that long. <laughs> Feels like it though sometimes. Amazing. And then how would you even know what to charge your friends for the, that first trip? Or um, obviously you had experience just from, from personal experience of travel planning, but when you make that transition, knowing how to price things out so you're, it's worth your time, uh, how did you go about that? Such a great question because we definitely didn't. <laughs> we did not value our time at the time. We always, I mean, we've always valued ourselves. Um, but yeah, we were just winging it. And like, we're definitely like, we want to do something, we go for it. Like full speed ahead. We don't sit around and think, let's let's talk about this for seven months and then maybe do a trip. We just were like, okay, got an LLC, got a trip, let's go. Um, so we definitely made a lot of mistakes. Um probably every trip the first year and not mistakes that the customers felt like not like a bad experience or anything like that. Just like not knowing that the tax in Honduras is 19% on the hotels or not knowing that, you know, like just extra fees that were like, Oh cool. We were going to make money on that one. Um, whoopsies. Um, whoopsies is like our favorite side thing like oh well, whoopsies <laughs> like, um yeah so we definitely didn't know at first but I will say we have learned a lot and we um talk about it all the time like we'll we'll talk about an idea and then they're like nope we already decided we're never going to do that again yeah I don't know if you have anything to add to that Kristen just that in the beginning you know it was really a passion project it wasn't like how do we structure this business to be profitable so we wanted to travel more and we really just started by covering our own expenses. So it was like, and we went together on a lot of the trips in the beginning. So it was covering both of our expenses and still providing a really great value to our customers. And then we kind of got stuck in that pattern of like, these are the cost of our trips. And we were grossly undercharging for the amount of time and effort we were putting into the trips. And it took us, it took us like three years to kind of get over that. I don't know. It's like a persona at some point, right? Like you're like, oh, but how do we pivot to become like a real business that charges a, an appropriate amount for the gross amount of hours that we put in? And so I kind of think we set ourselves up to fail a little bit in the beginning just by thinking, oh, we'll just cover our costs. It's cool. We get to travel the world for free. Like that felt like enough for a passion project. But then when you're trying to make it work so that you can actually work at that business and maybe leave the job that you currently have, it becomes like, oh, wait, hold on. We've been doing this wrong. And now we have all these customers that are used to this valuation and we have to mm. change that. And we do, knowing all of our customers was difficult, right? Like we didn't want to ask them for more money. We just have truly tried to find along the way every possible way for us to make more money without charging the customer more. So mm. we we do a lot of things behind the scenes to negotiate better rates so that we're getting like way below retail so that the value is really there for our customer. But there's a little bit of meat on the bone for us. We do affiliate programs so that if we refer people like, oh, buy this dry bag or buy this scuba mask, that we make a few dollars. Uh, people that are going to hike Machu Picchu have a big long list of things that they need to buy. Um, and those are like just little ways that we make extra money to pay for the business without having to charge the customer more. So we really 
doubled down on that for for years just because we didn't want to have to ask people for more money. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think that's a common uh, symptom of imposter syndrome, which I think most people struggle with when first starting a, a business, and especially when you're approaching it from a place of passion and wanting to just provide the service for your friends uh, rather than this is, I want to make some big money with this, uh, with this business idea. Uh, what was the response when you started to increase your prices or you know, take that into consideration? How, what was the reaction? I will say it, we, we changed a lot of things at once. Like we started doing more bucket list trips, which in turn have more value anyway. So now like a lot of what we do is like, you can't do what we're going to offer you by yourself for less money. Like it's not possible to do what we're offering for as a solo traveler at that price. So we've just found ways to do trips that people want to do, but just and like, we're, we're giving them something they can't actually achieve on their own. So we sort of just shifted our mindset as to what we're doing instead of doing beach weekends, which we still do. Um, and we keep those at a lower cost than our regular trips. But we are now focusing on things that are bucket list things, hard to do things like Cuba, Machu Picchu, where we provide a super custom personalized experience and support them through the whole process. So I think that's the major difference. And, and I don't think that our customers would say that they noticed. Um, and if they did, they would say that they <laughs> they love us and it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good place to be in. Yeah, I would say the the customers definitely did not skip a beat. Um, they've also grown with us, right? Like we were young six years ago when we started and we have the same customers today that we did six years ago. So they have more PTO, they have more money, like they've advanced their careers and they do want to go on different kinds of trips than they did six years ago. So I feel really grateful that we've been able to grow together and our demographic has changed, right? Like we used to say mm -hmm. it was for people in their twenties and thirties and like a lot of us are pushing 40 now. So, um, you know, it's going to be for people in their thirties and forties very soon, if, if not already. And that's just been a benefit to us. Nice. One thing I was going to ask is you mentioned that, you know, there's times where you, you were both on the, the trips or either one of you was on the trips, especially in the early days. Uh, so you could travel as well as try and kind of turn the side hustle into a business. What you obviously did all the travel planning ahead of time, but were you, you know, tour guiding or were you coordinating or what was your role like on the trips themselves? I'd love to answer this one if that's okay, Megan. Mm-hmm. Our, our role in any trip is really soup to nuts. It's start to finish. We welcome someone when they register. We help them get registered. Um, and sort of like the legit trips way on any trip is that we've got you from the airport to the airport. So you get yourself to the destination. We don't do any flight arranging. We'll look at your flight. We'll tell you it's a good one. We'll tell you it arrives at the right time, but we don't book any flights um, generally. So when you land at the airport, there's always somebody there to greet you. And it's often an extension of us. Maybe it's a driver or something, but then we would be at the hotel or the landing spot wherever um, we're all kind of meeting up. And we're with the guests. We're available 24-7 the entire trip from the beginning until they get dropped off at the airport at the end. And I think one of the best things 
that we did for the business was hiring trip hosts so that Megan and I could work on the business instead of having to work in the business. When we were traveling 250 days a year, we had no time to actually work on the business. I specifically remember being in Fiji trying to have this like annual planning session that we had scheduled and the Wi-Fi was horrible and we just couldn't get anything done. But we were very hesitant to hire people to run our trips. And it's been one of the best things for me because our hosts are better than I ever could have been. Like that's when I share with anybody about like hiring staff as an entrepreneur, it's like dream so big that you know your staff could be better than you at what you hire them to do. And I give us some credit for hiring the right people, but I'm mostly just so grateful that the people that we've hired literally bring such a high level of customer service to every single one of our trips. Like they'll come back and debrief us and tell us about what they did. And they're, I'm like, I never would have done that for the customer. Are you crazy? And like, they're just so amazing and so committed and they love travel and this community so much that they really elevate it. And I think when we kind of were wearing out of leading group trips, um, it was like the perfect time to bring in some new faces. Nice. And where did you find these trip leaders uh, to begin with? How do you, yeah, how did you get connected with them? This sounds, it looks like it's going to be a good story. <laughs> well, I was mostly thinking about Val, who was our very first trip leader. She sort of just edged her way in before we were ready to hire trip leaders. Um, she's one of the most amazing humans on the planet. But yeah, Kristen met her and then she Facebook stalked me and sent me a bunch of messages. <laughs> like it's a really funny story but she was definitely like she came on some of our trips as a guest um and we were just like ah oh, she's just she doesn't need sleep literally yeah. the girl does not need to sleep and we're like oh like I'm like I need a good nine hours <laughs> I can't have a conversation so she was the beginning of it like oh maybe she could run these trips without us and then then it was like but then when we went to hire we did a whole official hiring process and posted places and took applicants um we did end up hiring people we knew already, mostly just because for us, it was so important that we knew their personality and how they were going to interact with the guests. But we did hire one person that we had never met before who lived in Brazil. Her name is Danny, And she's like also one of the most amazing humans in the world. Um, she speaks four languages and has a Brazilian and Italian passport. So she's just also, I mean, they're all amazing. I can't say enough about them. That's great. I love that you have people who started off as customers on your tour and just loved the concept so much that they <laughs> Facebook stalked you until you gave them a job so they could do it all the time. Uh, that's pretty special. <laughs> I was going to say, we also get a lot, like pretty much everyone I meet now is like, are you guys hiring? I'm like, nope, <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> We've maxed out. <laughs> um, right. So you said, you know, in the beginning, you were maybe planning trips to places that you wanted to travel with. And then obviously you do need to take into consideration places that are you know, potentially more bucket list locations um, where your guests wouldn't be able to have that experience at that price if they're able to travel on their own. Uh, but what other considerations do you take when deciding where you're leading trips 
um, and you know what locations you're offering and just kind of the style and the the inclusions on those trips. Yeah, it's funny. We started out asking our guests what they wanted, which is the number one big mistake. Never do that because <laughs> everyone will vote for one place and you'll put it up and it'll be the hardest thing you've ever sold in your whole life. Um, that was one of our top lessons we've learned and never do again. Um, so <clears throat> we often talk about what is important to us. We're both super interested in conservation, the environment, the ocean, things that matter to us as well as like really cultural experiences. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Cuba, but it's just one of those places that completely changes you from the inside out. Like it's the lack of freedom and the things you get to see and interact with people. So that's the kind of stuff that we want for our guests. So we take all of that into consideration as well as as well as bucket lists. Like what is on mine? What's on Kristen's? Um, what, what have we always been dreaming of? Because if we're dreaming of it, other people are dreaming of it too. So yeah, uh, we have Finland in the next year, which is new for us, but it's like something I've always wanted to do with igloos and Northern Lights and things. So I think all of those things. Kristen, anything else you can think of? I think at this point, because we have carried such a customer base with us for so long, they will go anywhere that we suggest because they see us as their travel advisors that like we're worrying about what's cool and what's different, what's a great place to go. And they don't really question us very much. They're like, that date works for me. I'll come on that one. Um, and, you know, we've taken them to some really off the beaten path kind of places and they just follow us. I mean, we've had people that have literally been on the ground at the welcome dinner. Like, hey, where are we anyway? Oh, no. And it's like, how did you even get here? How did you how did you not know? But they're like, well, I know I'm in Costa Rica, but like where in Costa Rica? You know, they didn't even look at a map before they decided to come on the trip because they were like, oh, cool. People are going. It's legit trips. It'll be great. I'm signing up. Um, Lundy and I dragged 20 people to La Paz in Baja, Mexico two years ago for New Year's. No one knew where they were going. I don't think anybody <laughs> looked it up in advance. No one had heard of it for sure. Um, it's very like a domestic travel hub. You know, tons of people who live in Mexico vacation in La Paz, but it's not very big with, you know, U.S. tourism yet. Uh, but they have whale sharks and Lundy and I wanted to swim with whale sharks. So <laughs> we, uh, you know, put it on the list and 20 people came with us. So I think, um, you know, the guests really do trust us. And I think one of the testimonials we got after that whale shark trip was like, man, Legit Trips has really done it again. I did something I didn't even know I needed to do. And it was so life changing, right? Like that's kind of how they trust our choice of destinations, but really logistically speaking, if there isn't a way to do a destination that is fully supportive of the local culture, we probably won't do it. Like if there's not a way to get somewhere that's, you know, on a local ferry or in local van shares or something like, we're probably not going to go there. Um, if there aren't any small boutique hotels or, you know, smaller accommodations, we're probably not going to go there. Um, like we try really hard to make sure all of our dollars go back to the local economy that we're visiting. And we also really just try to find partners, right? Like if we can't find 
people that are willing to work with us, we're probably not going to go there. We, we found ourselves trapped in a few contracts early on that it was like, oh, this trip's not selling and we can't get out of it. Um, and we don't take those risks anymore. We don't, right. we don't work with anybody who's not willing to give us a fair cancellation policy. <laughs> so I think probably, especially now since COVID. Yeah. And I think that's one of the really tough parts about working in travel planning or organizing trips is that contract work actually, and having to negotiate contracts. And it's, at least in in my view, it's such a far cry from the romantic idea of, you know, just planning a trip and having fun and imagining, yeah, swimming with the whale sharks. And then you get into a bit of an email um, battle <laughs> of discussing prices. Um, but it comes with being a business owner. Uh, so I wondered if you could speak a little bit about, about that, about that ex- experience um, and what you've taken from it. Yeah, I will say we had a benefit. Um, we're both travel agents. So we have worked separately on individual trips and we've learned a lot. I've been to a few travel agent conferences and you, you just sort of figure out who is the right, the right person to work with. Um, and it, it just all starts there. I mean, I, I, I'm happy to say, I don't think I've had an email battle um, because we do have somebody who knows somebody somewhere always. Like we're in a couple of Facebook groups with some, some top notch professionals um, that are like, oh yeah, I use this person or, or whatever. So we always have a good starting point, I think. Um, and honestly, like just being a small business, it's not trying to like take over the world or, you know, we always have our best intentions in mind for everybody. Um, people are just pretty nice and reasonable, I would say, just like understanding we're just trying to do our best and not trying to, to you know, screw anyone over or anything like that. So I think there's a lot of industry standards too, right? So when you call and you say, I'm a travel agent and I have this IATA number, oh, it's 10% commission. Oh, it's 12% commission. There's no negotiation. It's already worked out. Those are the industry standards. But if you call and you're like, hey, I'm Kristen from Legit Trips and I have six people coming to your tiny island, they're like, hmm, sorry. You know, like the, if it, you have to know who to call and how to call, I think. And the, for better or worse, the industry standards are all set. And generally, if you are an agent and you call, you get their deal. That's the only deal they have. There's not a lot of room for negotiation. So you said you started it in 2016 and then were running it for a few years more as a side hustle. Are you both working on the business full-time now? Well, last year in January, we were like, yes, we're doing it. This is our year. We're both full-time. We're going to make the most, we're going to make money this year. Everything's exciting. And then, well, I mean, everyone knows what happened last year. So we canceled every trip um, last year, except for we went to a domestic trip. And then things started looking up over New Year's and we have an annual New Year's trip that's sort of like almost an alumni reunion thing we've been doing every year since we started. Um, and 11 people came on that, which is small for our New Year's, but we were like, okay, like it's, we got some progress. But in that time, obviously we both took contract side jobs to make it work because, you know, being homeless isn't isn't super fun, but we do both live really minimally and um, we both live in RVs full time. 
So our costs are low to live. And, you know, for us, it's we choose quality of life over money most of the time, I think. So, yeah, Kristen, did you want to add anything to that? No, I was going to say we were both full time until COVID. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're both doing two things now until the travel climate becomes more certain. Yeah, it's a, definitely a, a scary time. And I've spoken to quite a few people where, where that's been the case. But hopefully, you know, fingers crossed that will that will change soon. It feels like it's changing, but we've I think we've all felt that before and <laughs> maybe it's worked out a bit differently. Um, so beyond your friend circle and beyond customers that have already traveled with you, how else, how are you finding new, new customers? Um, it sounds like your growth has been incredibly organic, which sounds amazing. Um, but do you have any marketing strategies uh, beyond that to try and, you know, reach people who may never have heard of either of you or legit trips? Yeah, we are running um, social media ads now. Um, mostly because we have some really amazing friends who are experts and helping us out for free. I mean, it's all a risk for us anyway, reaching out beyond the people we already know because we've never had strangers before, which we've obviously had now in the last year or two. Um, but we mostly are still just getting a lot of organic friends of friends. I mean, it's just, we have a lot of friends and they have a lot of friends. So we almost prefer it, I think, because we do want to still ensure that our brand and our groups are still the same way we, we intended them to be. But we are getting so many new, amazing people as well. And we just meet with them before the trip and make sure everybody's a fit. And like, I mean, I'm loving all the new friends I've made. Um, I will say Val, um, one of our trip leaders, is living in Honduras. So it's, there's a huge travel climate coming in and out. And so she's just telling everybody. So we've gotten a lot of uh, traction from her recently as well. Um, but yeah, that's most of it. Megan is being really humble. She is a crusher on Instagram and it really does create a lot of brand awareness. And she's been hustling at it for so long and just like during COVID, out of the blue, people are like, oh, I've been following you for three years. And like, as soon as we can travel again, I'd love to go on one of your trips. And for us, it's that long game, right? Like if somebody new is coming with us, they've probably been following us on Instagram or they they know of us from a friend of a friend, even if that's a friend of another friend, you know, um, and they really know what we're about before they decide to come with us. And that is great for us. We're fine with that. Um, we are probably never going to do like billboards and like mass market, like just get as many strangers as possible all at once. Um, if we pick up a few here and there, that's so great. Um, but we are really just about community and connection and bringing people together. And we never want this business to have 100 trips with 100 people you know like it's just not who we are it's not it's not our vision um but i have a great example of someone who found us through google and called um which like happens almost never that might be the only one so shout out to to joe um he called and i chatted with him and he's like wait you're the owner of the business and i'm like yeah 
<laughs> and he like asked me all these questions and he's like, cool, well, I definitely want to travel with you. And he hasn't yet because of COVID. Um, this, oh my gosh, he probably signed up two years ago now. Um, but we just figured out what, where he's going to go. He's going to, to Belize in April, but um, he's a perfect fit. Like he's like, I just believe that the right people find us. Um, like this, this mix of like curiosity and adventure and just like a lot of humbleness, I guess. And like just genuine interest in learning. Uh, most of our guests are not just trying to like lay on a beach chair and sip pina coladas. And that's definitely not what we offer. So we're always just trying to make sure that somebody kind of like wants to get a little bit dirty if they're coming with us. It's like, it might be bumpy roads and we might go like tromps through a field to go to a local farm or something. And we just, you know, want to manage the expectations. So we're looking for the right people, not all the people. Yeah. I think that's absolutely the the best way to go about it is have that, you know, you want to turn away the people that aren't a good fit, put them off and really attract the people that, that are. Um, all right, so this is the first time I've interviewed two guests, the first time that we've had two female business owners. So one of the questions I obviously have to ask is, you know, how is it working alongside another person, having another co-owner, um, maybe some of the challenges, some of the benefits, um, any any stories you want to share about, about that experience? <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I would love to go first, um, but go ahead, Kristen. <laughs> I think the number one thing that comes to mind is I sat down with an attorney to draft a partnership agreement about two, two and a half, maybe three years into business. And they said, okay, how are you going to split it? And I said, 50-50. And he's like, oh, I don't advise that. And Megan wasn't there. I was somewhere locally. She and I don't live in the same city. We never have. And he's like, well, you need to at least do 49-51. And I was like, no, it's 50-50. And he's like, well, what happens when there's a disagreement? Like somebody has to have more voting rights. And I was like, if there's a disagreement, we're going to figure it out. And he's like, but that ends businesses. And I was just, I was like, I can't even imagine ever not being able to work something out so that the business could move forward. And he's like, well, I don't know what kind of special relationship you guys have going on, but most business owners can't have a 50-50 split. And he just like gave up on me. He was like, forget it. Um, and I think that's just really the case. You know, there's been times when I haven't been able to work as much. I haven't been able to put as much into the business. I had some health problems last year. Um, there's been times where Megan has been getting her scuba dive cert or traveling all over Indonesia. Um, and we just balance it. Like we are in it together 50, 50. And that I don't think will ever change. Like we very rarely disagree, but if we do, there's a point, right? Like disagree till you work it out. Don't just like disagree and hold your ground. I think she and I have the same goal always. Like, how do we make great trips for cool people and pay ourselves a little bit in the process? You know, like that's the goal. So if we ever hit, I don't, I can't even think of like a time where we've hit like a complete disagreement, but usually just like there's a way to find a different solution. I don't know. I, I feel like it's 
it's easy, and I I don't want to jinx us by saying that, um, but we worked together in business before we started this business together, and we sort of just knew that we're total opposites with the same goals, right? Like our skill sets complement each other so well that I'll be like, hey, what about our insurance? And Megan's like, insurance? I haven't even thought about it. I'm just out here getting sales and doing the marketing. And (laughs) it's like, we're just a great balance. So we have our roles, right? Like we we don't work on everything together. We don't even work on all the trips together. Some are Megan's, some are mine. There's some I never have to think about. And so we have like some separation in that we can both conduct our parts of the business without having to consult the other person. Um, but we do a lot of texting like, hey, I'm about to spend $5,000 on this. Is that okay? And it's like, yeah, you know, like that's kind of how it goes. It's It's never like this I don't think we take ourselves too seriously, I guess is what it is. Well, I was just going to say, I think it's because our business is built on a foundation of our friendship. If we stopped running, if COVID never went away, like the worst stuff happened and we stopped running a company that did travel, we would run a company that did something else. Like we've (laughs) never, we've never not, it's always been about us. Like, obviously we love our customers. We treat them great. It's not, it's definitely about them as well, but the, being in business together has never been about anything except we're great together. We trust each other. There's nobody else we trust the same way. Like there's nothing like she didn't, would never have to text me to spend $5,000. I might be like, Hey, what was that charge? Is it fraud or is that you? Um, <laughs> like there's no, there's no question there. Um, and I will say when you said advice, ev- everybody I talk to female entrepreneurs who want to go do something I'm like, get a partner you trust because doing it by yourself is exhausting. I would not still be, well, I don't know. I mean, I just can't imagine. And I'm like, if I had to do everything, I would just not want to do it, (laughs) especially insurance and the liability and all the stuff that I'm so grateful Kristen does. Um, So that's definitely, I know it's hard to find somebody you can trust because just like that guy said to her, like, you know, some people are out for themselves, but um it's, I highly recommend it. And it's, it's encouraging and nice to have someone on the other end also trying and cheering. And it's like, we're going to do it right the next time, you know, but if it's just you, you're like, (laughs) Oh, am I, I don't know, you know, especially as an entrepreneur, like it's, it's going to be hard, right? There's definitely been days where both of us have tried to quit and the other person is like, Oh no. And luckily we don't have those days on the same day. And, you know, there's days where like you're working on something and you're like, I can't do this anymore. Lundy is always the person that says, let me do that for you. And I hope that I'm a little bit of that for her as well. That like you do have a little bit of a valve, like a pressure valve, you know, that like I'm just at my limit with this. And as a business owner, sometimes you don't get to be at your limit with something. You don't get to quit on it. Mm -hmm. And we don't let each other quit, but we also just like scoop if the other person needs a little bit of time. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have definitely got it figured out. Um, and it's such it's such a rare thing, unfortunately, it seems uh, for for people in business to work so to be so compatible and to not only be compatible, but to have those different skill sets um, that complement each other. 
it seems like you've yeah really struck gold in your in your friendship and in your business. We think so. Oh, <laughs> do you have anyone else besides your uh, tour guides or people that are leading the tours uh, working for you? Not for a long time. I mean, I think two things that I would recommend to anybody starting any business um, that we did early on that was expensive and scary is we paid somebody to build our website so that we could manage it. So our website was built specifically so that it could be handed off to us to be managed going forward, um, which was a huge investment and a time where we really didn't have that money. Um, but I think it's it's grown with us and we've never had to pay anybody since. So I think it's been worth every penny. And in the beginning, when it was a passion project, we were just sort of like running with stuff and we like had somebody on the internet draw us a logo and we started like sticking it on things. And then we were like, wait, wait, hold on. Like if this business is going to grow, like perhaps we should speak to someone about branding. And we worked with a branding consultant consultant to do our voice and tone, our origin story, um, to do our logo, to put like a fresh face on the new website. And all of that is still with us. Like we have a very detailed style guide and we just follow it. We have specific filters we use. We have specific colors at ours. And it, again, it was like an investment early on that felt really expensive at the time. However, we haven't had to think about it since. Like if you like, don't mess with the stuff you don't have to mess with, right? Like we have not reinvented the website cause it works. We have not changed our logo or our colors or the way we talk about things. We just literally like follow the guide. I still go in there and pull the colors out. And I'm like, can I use the logo this way or that way? And I just like, it's really, really nice to have some structure, some infrastructure even like that. And I would say that those two people were so critical in that time of the business. Um, but we haven't done anything like that since. I was going to say just two quick things. One thing that we did really well was the interns. We hired mm. video interns and made like cool videos about the trips, cool videos about us. Um, we got really fortunate with our photographer who was also a videographer and who's now way too expensive for us, but wasn't when we had him, <laughs> which was lucky. Um, like we have all these really cool intro videos and it's like really clear if you go to our YouTube to like know what we're about, which I think is part of how you get the right people as well. Um, and the interns were very affordable at the time. So highly recommend that. And then, man, I can't remember what the other thing was, but anyway, that's all I got. It's basically just us and our hosts. <laughs> oh, oh, that's what I was going to say. We are our brand. So it's easy if you are a representation of your brand, because I write all the Instagram posts in my voice. Like I don't have to be something else. It's literally just whatever I'm thinking I put on Instagram and it's mine <laughs> because that's what our guests know to be you know, our voice on social media. So it's, it's easier that way. Yeah. I think my, when I found your website and then I looked at your Instagram, it definitely came off as very genuine and I can, I can see the filter that you are probably using for all the images. Cause your grid uh, looks amazing. Uh, it's beautiful. And I love your logo and just reading about your focus on community. Like I felt like all of that came across really, really clearly, which is one of the reasons why I was so excited to, to chat with you guys. Um, any last kind of tips or advice or things you might want to share with other women who are interested in starting their own travel business? 
think Megan touched on it a little bit ago, but um, just having a mentor or having a peer group is something we wish we had in the beginning and maybe didn't really know that we needed back then. Um, some of the mistakes that we've made could have been answered in a five-minute phone call. Uh, like, hey, we're planning this trip to Honduras. Do you know anything about that country? <laughs> like, do you have any feedback for us about this itinerary? Um, I, you know, it was just not knowing in the beginning. And it's interesting in the travel space because you cannot be an expert in everything. Like, you will not have traveled the entire world before you start a travel company or become a travel agent. So, especially. Like our, we have a team of travel agents that work with us at our travel agency and they'll be like, but I've never been there. I have somebody that wants to go to Bali, but I've never been there. And it's like, well, you got to get over that. You know, like you, you need to learn how to have great partners and ask the right questions. And for us um, now, I feel like we do serve as a mentor to a lot of them and our peer group that we have with the tour collective is so great because you can say like, well, this is my insurance. What's your insurance? And we can talk about it and make sure that as an industry, like we're all upping our game and getting fair prices and doing things the best way. Um, so a peer group, a mastermind, a mentor, any of those things would have been really great six years ago. Uh, so I would, I would definitely go and find something like that as soon as possible if I was starting again today. Nice. Yeah. And for me, um, one of the things I left out of my story in the beginning that I wasn't thinking of is like when I was 30, I was like, all my friends got married because I don't know why I didn't, but I didn't. And we're having kids and buying houses and doing all these things. And I was like, I just want to travel like all the time, all my money. That's what I want to spend it on. Um, and I felt like, oh, I had to figure out how to solo travel because that was the only way. And I, part of why we started this business was like, you don't have to do it by yourself. Um, and like, like, don't be afraid to try something new, a new group, a new place, um, because we do take care of it all. So I think that, um, yeah, I just wanted to share that. I just wish somebody had told me when I was 30, you don't have to have kids by a certain time or get married by a certain time. Like life is short and you should do what you want to do. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really good, solid advice to to end on. Um, just before we go, thank you so much, both of you for your time. I've loved this conversation. Um, if listeners wanted to learn more about each of you, more about legit trips, where's the best place for them to, to do that? I think just our website, legittrips.com, L-E-G-I-T-T-R-I-P-S.com. And there's links there for all of our social media. We always love to answer travel questions. We probably give away too much free travel advice. Um, <laughs> so DM us on Instagram or send us a Facebook message. We'd be happy to talk about your travel dreams. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Thank you both so much. Um, um, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you.